0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Hallway Chat. I'm Nabil, And I'm Bijan. Uh, welcome. So we're going to talk in a second about some of the larger issues going on in the tech ecosystem, um, including some of the activism that's been happening uh, in the wake of the Muslim ban, as so quoted by, by Trumpian himself. Uh, but I, I actually, I thought we'd start with some lighter stuff. And Bijan, you, you have a couple apps you've been starting to use lately. And I uh, thought yeah. we'd start, start there.
1: Well, you know, it's funny. I, I did this screen grab of my home screen at the beginning of the year and posted on twitter you know like hey it's 2017 new new year new home screen and and i realized as i'm looking at my phone now three of those apps are have been switched out already like we're a month into it and so there's one app I've, i'm really digging I, I think i'm saying it right but anyway it's called to do uh maybe there's a french version of this but it's spelled t-e-u-x d-e-u-x i guess we'll put it in our, our show notes it's a really beautiful to do app and and the way it, it hit my radar was evan williams tweeted out the other day like hey 20 years later, I'm still looking for a good uh, to-do app. And I wrote basically, like, I'm loving Todoist for personal and Trello for professional. And people were replying back about to-do. And I I, I remember trying this years ago, and it really wasn't for me. It had some shortcomings and missing features. But then I, I saw they updated the app. So I, I immediately downloaded it yesterday. And it's amazing. It's so beautiful, so well-designed, so thoughtful. Like, it's so... Well designed. I, I guess I don't know how else to uh, to talk about it. To, yeah, to talk about it. Yeah, but it's uh, if you're looking for a to do app, I, I would I would uh, greatly recommend it. W- what do you use in this department?
0: I I use so there's this really nice paper company called um, called Ugami Professional that makes a little a little notebook, um, <laughs> and, then I use, and then I use a pen and, and I write in the notebook. Um, that that's what I use right now. It's it's the paper is made from from stone. Uh, it flows really well with the pen. It's very well right. done. Also very clean design, not an overly weighty UX. Uh, <laughs> no, no battery. No. So so God forbid you lose it, what happens? Oh, I'm dead. Yeah, and and, and that's
1: absolutely <laughs> happened, just so we're clear. But then how do you, uh, so let's say you got a bunch of to-dos in there, five, ten, hundred, and times go by, and some stuff you didn't do, you need to append some stuff. Like, Are you rewriting your to-dos
0: every day? A, I rewrite my to-dos once a week. What I find is a problem with any to-do app is that so many of my to-dos get generated when I'm in meetings. Like it, it Inevitably, like I just came out of a, a meeting with a portfolio company, Sonder, um, kind of like check in, hang out. And of course, I come out of that with like, I'm talking to him and I have four things. I'm like, oh, I got to introduce you to this person and oh, well, we're going to help recruit this person. And 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 that's, like, that's where most of my to-dos come out of is out of these conversations. And of course, me having my phone out the whole time during meetings, not going to happen. Right. And so I find that all these to do apps, uh, that's the, that's my problem.
1: Right. 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 Right.
0: Yeah. I and mean, there was a lot of energy for a while. It
1: kind of feels like every couple of years it comes out with like a pen that's connected to your phone or your, you know, the internet that would like, you know, digitize your handwriting sure. and, you know, send it to Evernote or something. But those, those kind of, you know, great idea, horrible execution. I, you may want to try to do as, as a, um, secondary thing, like you keep doing your analog thing and then and then uh, you know, distill it down to do. I, I, I just find it gorgeous.
0: I, I'm literally a day into it and I, I can't imagine using anything else. Um, I, I will, I'll give it a try, maybe for personal stuff first since I'm less likely yeah. to be in a conversation with the founder at that point. Yeah. And then and then we were talking about uh, meditation apps for a sec and, and I thought it was very interesting because I do remember your screenshot from the beginning of the year. And if I remember, you had Calm as your meditation app at, at that time, Right. And, but that's changed. Yeah,
1: it has. I, I've been messing around with Calm and Headspace. I uh, I stumbled upon an app called 10% Happier. It's uh, developed by a guy named Dan Harris, who works at ABC News. And I came across this app because I watched the documentary Minimalists. The Minimalists, sorry. do you ever see this thing on Netflix? No. Uh, it's great. You should watch it. Anyway, the, the, it's a documentary about these two dudes and along their journey, they interview a bunch of people and one of them happens to be Dan Harris. And he talks about this moment in his life a few years ago where he has this nervous breakdown on air, full blown anxiety attack. And it's due to a, you know, at least from the movie, the takeaway is it came from like, you know, a combination of stress, anxiety, drug abuse. Anyway, he basically hits hits the floor. I mean, you know, and um and in an effort to pick himself up, he he discovers meditation. It really in earnest spirituality, talks to a bunch of scientists and all that. Anyway, he's got this great podcast called 10% Happier that I've been listening to for a while. And then I found out he's also got an app and the app is like these great content on kind of like getting you into the mindset of, of meditation, the benefits, how to, questions and answers, and then, you know, all these different ways to practice meditation. And so I've I've
0: been doing it, you know, for the last few months and I'm really enjoying it. I will give it a shot, given that I've cycled through all of the meditation apps that you mentioned previously, plus Aura and a couple more, and I yeah. have yet to have something stick and, and would like to, so I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. The one I've been using lately, and it's not a new app, but it's just come back into my life, and it, it is about making myself more present, but, but more in a, um, you know, metrics of my life way, which is maybe more my attitude, <laughs> but like, so it's, it's an app called Cycle. Have, have you used this yet? No, tell me about it. So it... The app basically is a life tracker. So it's trying to figure out what you're you're doing with your life. Um, When are you running? When are you sleeping? It doesn't expect anything from you. Basically, you tag locations. You say, hey, when you're at 368 Clementina Street in San Francisco, like this is your office and you're probably working. And when you're, um, you know, at this spot, you're probably playing Pokemon with your children, which is what, you know, something I'd do on a Saturday, right? And then it aggregates all that up and just gives me a weekly framing of how my life has been going and what I find is you know I'm just the type of person who's very heads down very focused and sometimes I lose the bigger picture and what what I love is I can look back at the week and be like you know I've actually spent a little less time with the kids the last two weeks than I used to like maybe I should fix that or wow I'm actually kind of an hour or two behind on sleep like maybe I should fix that um and uh or I've been spending a lot more time in the office and you know like it's just helpful in these broad and I'm sure it's it's all. It's not perfect. It's been one little tool, you know, in the toolbox for yeah. like just correcting my own behavior, just just a little bit. And I and I kind of I, I've really been enjoying it.
1: And and has it been the kind of thing where when you, that that last piece was interesting to me? Is it is it like, hey, it's like a little nudgy nudgy in this direction, or is it like, oh my god, I didn't realize this This is the way I was act. The reason I'm asking is that, like in the beginning of of last summer, I checked in at Foursquare one day or Swarm. Yeah. and it said, like, congratulations, you've been at at this is your seven hundredth airport check-in. And <laughs> I went, oh my God, <laughs> like it was like somebody punched me in the face, and i I immediately uh, changed a bunch of things in my life uh, right. based on that, frankly. and but it was I, I knew I travel a lot, but that that felt really profound. But I, I'm curious to know does this does this app give you this oh my god like revelation or is it like a little nudgy nudgy?
0: I don't think I've had a revelation yet. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's been nudgy and it's not like hey you've done a bad job or a good job. It's just again it's just a display of the data. It's hey you're 23 percent down on your average sleep cycle this this week from la- from from your average week. And so it's, it's it's that kind of little little tweak, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're you, you want the data? I do. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you, know, it, it, you know, we couldn't be any more different than that. Like, I, I, but I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I'm going to try it because you like it so much. But like, if I, if, if I saw a chart
0: that said you're sleeping 28 percent less than you usually do, I, I, I would just start laughing. I'm like, I got to to that. Yeah, and I will look. I'm going to, I'm going to try the meditation app as well. We're, we're helping right. each other grow a little. Yeah, bit. Totally, yeah, totally. Totally. Um, you know, let what, let's talk about what's going on right now in tech uh, vis-a-vis politics for a second. And I think we've, we've had two podcasts now. We were like, maybe we shouldn't talk about that. But I, but I think actually that it's, it's a good time to talk about it. Um, the tech community maybe actually, uh, you know, awakening a little bit to to the political climate and their role in our society. Um, and and so I'd love you to talk about that. You know, what, what are your thoughts on, for instance, the really kind of fairly broad-based uh, response to the Muslim ban.
1: You know, I I have got a lot of thoughts on this, and, and we haven't, like, scripted this or talked about, you know, so, yeah. you know, I, I I could use a little organization around these thoughts. But if you kind of, like, play it out a little bit, you know, you've got candidate Trump threatening a Muslim ban, right? And then, and then he kind of walked it back as a candidate. And then as president, he clearly, you know, meant it, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I kind of felt like, so basically he did this executive order a week ago Friday, and on one hand, I was like, "Hey, the dude promised this, right?" So you know, it, it's horrible, but like, should we be shocked? Like, I, I feel like the answer shouldn't be shocked. And then, almost immediately, there was this outcry from you know across the U.S., across the globe. But the tech community was was pretty vocal about it. The, the mm-hmm. you know employees and you know people we follow on on Twitter, and just this general feeling that this is not acceptable. If you recall, there was like, you know, so you had this crazy roar from, from you know, everyday people, uh, and then kind of s- like, but, you know, like Zuck didn't say anything, Bill Gates didn't say anything, Tim Cook didn't say you know, there was this kind of quiet. And then a week goes by, and 100 plus tech companies uh, recently signed this thing that basically said, uh, sorry, CEOs said, um, they're against the Muslim ban, right? Right. And you even tweeted out like, hey, this doesn't happen in un- other industries. You don't see the automotive industry, airline industry, manufacturing industry. Like, hey, like, isn't this, isn't this like we, it was a celebration almost that like, you know, hundred progressive CEOs took a stand, you no. know, or, or maybe progressive isn't the right word, but just, they just felt like, uh, independent of their political, um, party alliance, uh, alignment, they, they took a stand. And I, I had that. Feeling initially, but I gotta tell you, as the hours and days have progressed, I, I feel like there's a disconnect between the employees and and CEOs and management. So if you my, here's my my simplistic view: CEOs and, and management, all the press that they released, with some exceptions, but but generally speaking, it was it took this very thematic approaches. This is bad for business what's best interest of shareholder value almost. I mean, that was kind of like the subtext is that our companies will be better if we have access and
0: diversity and all that stuff. Versus just, this is morally wrong.
1: Right. And, you know, you can imagine the opposite opinion, which is like America first, Well, why don't we hire Americans? Or or even more so, you could take an extreme uh, alternative approach which says, look, Apple's got hundreds of billions of dollars in cash and we don't have a re- a different immigration program than we used to have uh, putting aside the ban. but like, you know, you know, people are trying to do visa reform, staple a visa to your college degree when you get educated here. Right. But meanwhile, you got, you could take the position of saying like, well, do we really need to be sympathetic to, you know, Tim Cook's feeling that his company would be even better if, you know, and, and, and so I kind of got a little bit, not super depressed because I feel like taking a stand is better than not taking a stand. And no- notably there were Uh, some CEOs that are high profile take zero position on this. But if you kind of look at that letter that a hundred something CEOs signed and it's a pretty, in my mind, remarkable contrast than what the employee is saying. Like you saw that walkout on Google and all the signs that Google employees had. they didn't have a sign that said, you know, we're, we're opposed to this ban because our company will like have more value if we're diversified. It was kind of like, this isn't right. Does that make any sense?
0: it, 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 it does make sense. I, although I, I'm not sure. I think the point of the letter is, um, is not just, uh, PR, right? It, there's a legal standing here as well, which is, which is that, um, they are trying to bolster the Seattle, uh, court case, which is that you have to prove that the immigration ban is actually going to have harm. And, and so, it, saying it's morally wrong, I think is is the right way to have the conversation. And then we should come back to that in a second about how the tech community um, speaks about its own morals and, and, and comes to terms with its own morals. But I, because I think it, unlike lots of other industrial communities, uh, you know, markets, I think there actually is a, a very strong moral underpinning to the things that tech is trying to do that it hasn't necessarily always been very vocal about. Um, but this particular community, and I don't mean moral in the stance of even even left or right but just uh, a sense of ethics we can talk about that there's there's but 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 that particular letter i just don't think was that that particular letter was um what had a had legal ramifications in a court case that were important the tech industry is going to be harmed you know i encourage yeah, you're,
1: you're uh, saying the design uh, go- the letter had a specific purpose
0: for this uh
1: washington uh court case and and everything else beyond that wouldn't have it would have been dilutive, if anything. It that's wouldn't right. have been uh, I constructive. I think you wanna make
0: you want you want a hundred companies, and I, and I encourage all my portfolio companies to, to 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 go on to the to go to sign on to it. Like it's about showing that there's a problem here on on a business and technology side. By the way, I think that's it, it the I think it's actually imp- I'm gonna, just gonna differ with you here. Um, if we Great. talk about the, the moral um, the moral importance of this. And and by the way, like my, my, my mother's Palestinian, uh, and Muslim, like, like, you know, I would, I would love to just make the moral argument. The moral argument, however, has not, um, historically, uh, converted everybody over in American history, right? Like, like we still have Japanese internment camps, even even if you're making the moral argument because people are afraid. But Nabil,
1: do you feel like the the outcry that happened on that weekend and subsequently to that, was that like I filled my crowdrise campaign for my ACLU fundraiser in two days? I thought it was going to be two months, right? Right. Like, was that, was the energy there because of the moral argument or because of what's in best commercial interest of, of these tech companies? I mean, that's my right uh,
0: assumption. Of course. And, and, and of course, the reason that I, you know, I was marching that weekend was for moral reasons, not economic reasons, right? But but I think that's the difference between what's motivating me or what's motivating somebody who is already going to be horrified by it, and then how do I have a conversation with somebody that isn't horrified morally by it? I can't just yell at somebody who's not morally horrified by this, and by yelling at them that it's morally horrifying, that they're suddenly going to think it's morally horrifying, right? There's a decent percentage of this population that does believe that we have this problem. safety issue and that and that this is the only, that that a temporary pause on folks coming into the country is the only way to help solve this problem I, 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 but but what i can talk to that per, that person in the in the world about that is protect, potentially universal is is that it will have a e- very strong economic impact on us so if you i get that you don't care about that 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 syrian um, 8 year old girl who was coming over here um, like i can't i can't show you another picture of her and just have you suddenly care about her um, but what I can talk about is the fact that the only way that the U.S. economy grows um, is by a, a few industries growing. Tech industry happens to be one of them. And, and we survive on Like The reason we work is that we are the, the world's nexus for people who are driven to try and build the next stage of companies. And, and that is not an unassailable position. That is a position that can change. And it can change based on our policies. And so... I I am comfortable with talking to both the heart and the mind, I guess. And and in a way that maybe, maybe you're like, no, I just, I want to talk to the heart. And I'm like, I I, I like, I I think both matter.
1: I, I, I think I agree with you more than I disagree with you, but I feel like the economic argument, I'm not sure that convinces the opposition either because they're not beneficiaries of it. Take the xenophobes out of the picture. Like the people that are just genuinely cared about safety in America and they feel like, uh, if you don't have a ban, you know, you're putting American lives at risk. I, I don't think they're going to respond to that, like, you know, um, Facebook and, and Google and Apple. Like, I think those folks are basically saying, those companies are doing great. I'm not worried about those companies. How do we get, you know, more jobs in uh, Dayton, Ohio? Like, I, I don't, I think they give two shits about, about Apple.
0: I don't, but I don't I don't know that that is fully true, right? I mean, I mean maybe there's a way to make that argument as well. But, like, um, you know, as an example, like, Hostmates yesterday opened up a massive call center, you know, in in Kentucky. And um, those are going to provide a lot of jobs for that local economy. That's a California-based company. Apple ha- Apple doesn't just employ people in California. They they, people oh, and they, they have an immigrant CEO at that company, by the way. That's right. They do. Right. Um, you know, Apple employs people across the country, not just in California. And I'll have the numbers in front of me. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't think that... You know, only the company that's headquartered in um, Bentonville is going to help Bentonville. Um, these are the companies that that help. It, it, it's very interesting, actually. Can we talk about jobs for a second? Can we can we yeah, stick totally. Right jobs? sure? Because because I, I, I do think it is something that you and I have talked about a couple times before in the proverbial hallways and and partner meetings and so on. Um, what does the job ecosystem look like for for the U.S. economy over the next five or ten years? Um, how do we make sure it's healthy? Are we eliminating more jobs than we're creating? Is there, or does it create economic disparity or geographic disparity that we need to, that we need to fix? And I'm curious where your head is on that. Um, now we haven't talked about it in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. Cause you're, you're making the, Hey, these people still don't have a job. You know, I still, I still have economic problems that I'm living right. in. In, in rural Kansas, and so that's still going to make me think about the world a certain way. Mm-hmm. Apple feels like it might as well be a different country. There was an interesting article uh, post by Philip Rosedale um, yesterday. Actually, did you read that? Yeah, I saw that.
1: I did see that. Yep. Yeah,
0: yep. and I've actually played. So the, the the article for those who haven't read is is, is how VR controlled robots could save America, um, yeah. which is a perfect title for for a Rosedale uh, to be writing. <laughs> um, but but I mean, if I were not to talk about it in terms of just uh, robotics. I, I think the broader theme is, um, you know, t- telework is how rural communities um, can can tap into urban economies and therefore grow. So I use the call center in um, you know example. That's an example. Well, because we have cell phones, because we have landline phones, and you can make long distance phone calls. That now you can work wherever you are, and that might be India, but it can also be domestically in the U.S. and and the um, advantage of VR at the state that it's in coupled with robotics is that right now telework is mostly, you know, 99% of it is mostly about voice and, and a little bit of video communication. This is a situation right. where maybe physical work could also become telework, right?
1: Right, um, right, right.
0: Um, what, but uh, yeah,
1: I mean, I, I think, you know, the, um, Postmates example, Rosedale's, um, thing is an example of of new ways for rural communities to get involved in tech or tech enabled businesses for sure you know I, I i guess you know it's interesting i wonder if postmates you know considered you know a mexico office or an india call center i mean clearly the airlines are doing that when you call the airlines you're you are you know you're, you're most likely talking to a, a lower paid employee in a outside the united states um so i, I don't know if that was you know step one and step two is, uh, you know, going to Mexico or, or not. But, um, you know, I, I think the issue is um, that I was trying to mention on this job thing and, and the question you're bringing up, I guess, is that, you know, it's it's one thing to say I'm going to work for Apple in customer care in Dayton, Ohio, either at the mall or in customer support. Right. Um, and, and basically creating new jobs that didn't exist before because of tech or there's this other thing of like hey we're bringing American jobs back like you know manufacturing jobs back steel manufacturing jobs back and you know all that stuff that was promised um, by this administration and and I don't think without radical thinking I I think I think the march of progress says like hey you know at some point uh, a rising tide lifts all boats and a stronger apple is generally good for the U.S. economy I think the the thing that came out of this election was that there's a huge set of this population that doesn't feel like they're benefiting from this rising tide, right? So you have Nasdaq going up, unemployment going down, um, billionaires getting seemingly printed routinely, and you still have that you know family of four in Dayton that makes the same salary they've ever made, meanwhile their medical costs and their edu- college kids costs are going up radically, right? That's the
0: that's the rub. Um, it, it, the thing I liked about, about the Philip Rosedale article, not that I necessarily, I mean, we could actually get into a critique about sectors of the economy. I think it would work for and not work for. And I've actually seen a couple startups that are actually trying to do what Philip's talking about and, and have been looking at it a lot lately. But without getting into too much detail, I, I do. The thing I like about it is that I think um, the technology community is a storytelling community first and foremost. Every founder is right. a huckster on day zero. By, by proxy because they haven't built anything yet and they're, and they're telling a story about something existing that doesn't exist and then the I and the I always think of, and, the, and the goal of course is so, some will call it visionary but I, I hear it to say you know I'm being a little self <laughs> kind of deprecating and then of course the goal like at some point it becomes incredible un- if you're not converging towards truth but you're always storytelling about the future and okay. and I don't know why this community hasn't done a better job and I'll blame myself as well like as a part of this telling a better story um, about companies that would, that would impact those communities and be helpful to those people. And, uh, because, and not, not that like it's morally right to do it is the only reason to do it. Um, or because then some Republican won't get elected as a reason. To, that's not the reason to do it. It's because it, it like, for every reason there's, there's an opportunity there. It's an underutilized resource. There are brilliant people living in those communities that are really hardworking, and it's an underutilized resource. And yeah. and and I and I and I'm curious. Uh, well, I, I would is, love for yeah. us to get to a point where that becomes a part of the natural dialogue as something right. that we're. I think it's becoming more so, but you know, it, it should. And, and instead, we've had this very kind of like amoral technology is a very amoral, almost scientific approach where like. Oh, I'm making a thing, and if it affects society X or Y way, like I, I don't, I don't, I don't really know uh, how it's going to affect. Um, and, and eventually, there'll be enough jobs. Look, when when somebody, you know, uh, in the industrial revolution, suddenly you had you know plows working on farms, and guess what? Like we didn't the collapses in economy, jobs jobs were just fine over time. Um, I can't tell you how they're going to happen. Like my best best example of that is like you know prior to the 1900s, there was no tourism industry. It didn't exist. And, and, uh, and, and we now have, you know, millions of people employed and trillion of, of, of a trillion dollars of a market all around tourism. It's very hard to talk about what new markets and what new industries are going to create jobs in over the next 20 or 30 or 40 years. Um, you know, but and then so instead, it kind of like every single time there's technological change, what happens is everybody freaks out about the jobs going away. Um, that kind of happens in the press and amongst people like every time, much like it's happening right now with self-driving cars and so on. Is it like, is it non-deterministic the way technology is headed, or can we get to a point where we are telling stories again about where jobs are going to come from? That seems like a, it seems like a talent tech could have. The tech community could, could internalize.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're, it's, I, I think, I think the challenge here is you're kind of giving a huge responsibility to entrepreneurs at the moment where they're just trying to get the kindling going. You know what I mean? When the earliest days of these companies like, you know um, but I do think that being mindful of how it impacts the planet is critical. And I do see separation here. I mean, like I believe honestly that Apple set out to try to build a noble empowering company. I, I do. I think the guts of that company, whether where it is today, people can argue, but I think it was like trying to empower people. I think Google was trying to provide access to information as an empowering thing. I, it's not clear to me. Amazon had that point of view. Amazon, I think almost instinctively said we're taking out the little guy. I mean, right. it was just like, right. So I, I think, I, I think I I am struggling with
0: painting the whole industry with a broad brush because when we when we have to have these conversations about the quote unquote tech community, or when reporters try and talk about the tech community, because the truth is, there just there are a lot of different um, conflicting desires from different people, right, right, right? Different companies that have their own culture, um, right, right, and, right. and 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 so I think I think you're right. Um, and and of course, like we talked about this moralism, but you know, we still have a diversity problem um, inside of the tech community, and and there are folks that think that there are labor issues as well. Although I I, I tend to think a little bit differently there, but but um but it, i mean it,
1: like just to bring one home here like you let our investment in cruise right i mean yeah. you could you could take the position with cruise of like when i say you and i mean Nabil Hyde or spark but you, you know one from the, one from the outside <laughs> could take the position of like hey this is gonna this technology at its quote-unquote success can save lives and enable things we haven't even imagined before because oh. you know you have autonomous vehicles right and you could take a uh So you can take a bullish point of view around the the empowerment of that, saving lives and enabling all types of business we haven't even imagined. You could take a a neutral point of view, which is like, hey, this is going to happen sometime anyway. This is inevitable. This is totally inevitable. So the the best entrepreneur is going to create the the most interesting company here. uh, But this is coming. So who's going to do it right? Uh, Or you could take the naysayer argument, which is like, hey, this is going to put out millions of people out of work who drive for a living? And
0: uh, I, I want the old way back, right? And so... Yeah, I mean, as as you know, Kyle was very motivated by the amount of road deaths that happen, um, right? In, in, in you know, and and a way to fix that, um, and he still is motivated by that. Um, and so I I think of I think of the car as a problem, and I think of the truck as a problem. Um, what we do, it is important to know that you know I I, I have a moral filter. I mean, there are definitely deals where we've had a conversation and and uh, maybe it's not, I don't know if our LPs want this or not, but I really don't care. Like there are conversations we have where I feel like what the founder is doing is net negative for society, even if they're gonna make money. And, and I don't have to do that deal. Like somebody else can yep. do that deal. I don't have to do all the deals. Um, That's right. uh, or all the good deals. And, um, right. and so I, I think, you know, in Cruz's case, I do think driving is net negative. Yes, it provides jobs. It also kills a whole bunch of people. Um, I also just believe in the pli- – I, I don't know. I have a fundamental optimism about the pliability of humans. Like I do think that, you know, that trucker is not a trucker. Like specialization is for insects. Like that person given an opportunity, and yes, we need to also work on providing them with opportunities. Like that's not the only job they can have in the entire world. Um, meanwhile, we're going to save – you're going to save a whole bunch of lives. You're um, – there's also – but and also it's very hard. I, I, I'm, uh, I have a friend of mine who, who does – economic modeling at the EPA. He's um, a very interesting job right now, as I imagine. Um, and so he, he, he talks about, he both owns a climate model um, for what global warming is, but also what are the economic impacts of that climate model. And and it's it, we've had conversations about self-driving cars and its economic impact on the United States in ways that are that are really interesting because of course, like, let's, let's take an example. Parking meters generate $50 million of revenue for the city of San Francisco. Um, that's $50 million of revenue if everybody's self-driving, that is not going to the city of San Francisco. And that's a problem, right? But something like 34% of all of the square footage uh, in San Francisco of, 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 at the floor level is, is for parking garages and for parking structures. Those all right. go away. So maybe the, the commercial and housing prices of San Francisco actually go down as a factor of supply and demand, therefore making San Francisco much more affordable, making it much easier to live in the city which has a right. whole bunch of other ancillary benefits, including to pollution. So I just think we can get ourselves wrapped around, you know, I could be a holy crusader about how self-driving is going to ruin the world. And I can be a holy crusader about how self-driving is going to save the world. Um, I think what's important is that what the founder's intent was and, and what the mission of that company was. And then, and, and, and then they can, we can deal with some of the ancillary things that might happen along the way. And then if they yeah. do create problems, try and work to help to fix those problems over time. Um, freaking out ahead of time and saying, we can't do these things. I I don't think that's productive at all.
1: I don't either. I don't either. I'm like, you I tend to be an optimist about these things. I think the, the people that are concerned about, you know, or obsessed about preserving the old way of doing things, I'm not hating on them. Like I know you aren't hating on them. I think their concerns are, are, are legitimate and, and quite heartfelt. Ultimately, you know, progress, you know, should be, should be good for everybody. And, uh, and I think we just all have to do a better job of, uh, Articulating. I think that's where you're going before, which yeah. is like, how do we tell this story? And I, I'm not, I'm not sure I have a great answer for you, except that I feel like some companies kind of inherently have the story built into their model. I mean, when everyone has a PC on their desk or a phone in their pocket, they're now they're entrepreneurs. Jack Dorsey talked at Square about empowering the, the you know, the individual store owner to like get in business. And so I just feel like there are some entrepreneurs that have this in their guts and, and you just feel it day one and others like don't have it in their guts. And, uh, and, and I guess we should celebrate the ones that have it in their
0: guts and, uh, and don't obsess about the ones that don't. <laughs> I, yeah, I will say, I think for all of the, I think we will see over the next three to four to five years that more and more founders will find that that is a part of their story and a part of their motivation. And, and I'm actually, I hope it will happen. I think it's already starting to happen. That doesn't mean that everyone will act this way. Again, it's not a monolith. Um, yeah. A friend of mine, Roger Dickey, is CEO at a company called Gigster, um, which is, you know, ostensibly allowing uh, project-based work to happen in technology um, distributed over the Internet. So, so now, G, you know, GE, when they need a random thing built on the website, can go can go get it done. And they can source that from anywhere uh, and from project-based work. That's a, that's a job story, right? Um, we're, we're an investor in a company called Andala, uh, which in the African continent is, you know, trying to bring in the best and brightest to do good remote work. Um, they could do the same thing with Detroit right um, Again, that's a job story that's still endemic to the and it's still endemic to the company and the mission um, that they have at hand. What I don't think we can afford to do as a tech community is like throw our hands up really and, and claim neutrality and, and I'll bring this one home for you uh, for a sec because I, I won't talk about Twitter. Um, so like so so Anil Dash was on um, who's now CEO of Fox Peak Software was a popular blogger. Um, he appeared on on Being. Uh, an NPR show, uh, I think it was yesterday, the day before, whatever, and 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 he was talking about. Um, and I'm curious about your thoughts here. I, I think the quote he was talking about Twitter. and he's talking about Facebook and, and in general social media, and, and essentially the moral awakening of the tech community. And he was saying, he he was kind of trying to make the point that that you can't be neutral. That you know that that tech was uh, I think the quote was something like tech was very vocal about how everybody at Tahrir Square was using Twitter in the kind of kind of like you know um, Arab Spring, but of course that's when they like the results then Twitter takes credit credit but when there's this like rise of the alt right and they don't like the results then then Twitter's you know, a neutral tool right um and, yeah, and so yeah. uh, I, I'm curious if you if, if you feel like that's well, what are your thoughts
1: there for, for 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 that kind of approach? Yeah, I mean, I, I read Anil's I read Anil's uh, interview. The transcript. Uh, we could put a link in, in the notes too for this. Um, and I, I did read it briefly, so I, I, if I'm making mistakes because I, I I went fast, then uh, forgive me. But um, the thing that I, um, you know, I think there is a couple things going on in the Twitter example. For you know, the, I think the the case could be made that they celebrated the hashtag. Black Lives Matter and all the momentum around that and Arab Spring, I, I never thought they took credit for it, but they clearly got excited and they were proud and and um, and expressed like how... Uh, wild enthusiasm. I mean, Jack talks a lot about Black Lives Matter and speaking truth to power and, and all that. Right. And then with the alt-right stuff, there was clearly a distancing, even though they don't take a, a political position, there was this distancing. And I'm hopelessly biased here, um, but I, I think the... Dis- the one distinction that I, I really would kind of hold on to here is that in the black lives matter movement and in other things like that, I, I feel like there was this empowering thing that happened on these platforms where suddenly the world can see, um, police brutality, for example, like it, not, not saying all police officers are, are bad. Most are, I'm sure are great. Um, but you suddenly had this, uh, um, uh, you know, transparency, into what was going on, and it allows people to kind of stand up. I, I think in the, the alt-right thing, the thing that I think caused so much stress on and, and everyone that kind of works at Facebook and Twitter is, is frankly, the, the fake news crisis. I mean, I think, you know, when you have a situation where these networks were, uh, uh, you know, targeted with bots, fake accounts... I mean it's it's well understood you know NPR had a segment with a guy who who you know made a lot of money creating fake news for the alt right and you know it had nothing to do with nothing right. and you know I think that's when the the platform company says it's not that they're anti-conservative or anti-republican it's more like we we were abused you know when you have tens of thousands of bots and when you have um you know Facebook's algorithm basically getting manipulated to distribute fake news I mean I think these companies are basically saying Hey, this this is not okay. And so now you saw Facebook is taking a an effort with Google for the French electra, uh, election process to to minimize fake news. And it's it's more of like, hey, we're fine with this platform being neutral,
0: but you can't abuse it. You know, we we gotta we gotta get to the bottom of this thing. I, I think what social media has is starting to wake up to, but is nowhere near all the way there. Like it or not, they are media companies, and yes, the reporters are in aggregate you know all of us consumers and and readers that are writing the posts and putting them up there or sharing links but right. ultimately they're the managing editor the same way that the New York Times has a managing editor and i i don't i don't know if this is a common held belief but it's what i truly believe that they they're they're the managing editor of that of that feed of what shows up there and they've been aggressive about it in the past you know i was at Zynga when when we were spreading a lot of things on the feed and they were very cogent managing editors of the Facebook feed, um, and very active in trying to figure out what was the, I mean, initially, you know, what was the right thing? What was the wrong thing? They were worried about, you know, the number of lonely cows showing up in the Facebook feed from Farmville. And then we also had a conversation with, with them about, you know, when they were growing in very fast in in developing countries, a lot of that was because of, of, of social games. Um, before your friends show up, the thing that you liked doing when Facebook was growing, um, especially in, in Europe and Eastern Europe, was play those games and the NPS scores of those users um, when they were playing Farmville and these other, games was off the charts. So anyway, we had to have that conversation about the benefit of the total network, which only proves to me that that yes, of course they are managing editors. Now, the managing editor can be an algorithm, but that's just an, that's an algorithm still written by a human. I don't really think they are neutral. Um, I, 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 now, they can say that by neutral, they're trying to go back to the kind of 1940s, 1950s idea of American journalism, where they are trying to show both sides, like that can be their neutral, but, but hands off, I'm not thinking about it at all, is not neutral, because then it's just, it's, as I think we've all seen in the last year, that's just creating uh, uh, windows for exploitation and abuse. Um, yeah well
1: hands off I think I agree I mean I think that's why you see Facebook making an effort in the French election that's why Twitter announced that they're going to take big steps this week on dealing with trolls and abuse on the platform like because if they took a hands off thing they'd just say hey there's abuse but it's a free speech network and people right. can just abuse each other right so right. I, I think you're I think you'd find agreement in those hallways Yep.
0: great well um, let's, let's, uh, let, let's end on that note for now um okay may they may they keep striving um <laughs> uh, i would love to. like ne- next time i one thing that we haven't talked about much that i'd love to talk about is like i find twitter and facebook um the use case almost unusable at this point and uh or, or oh, I, oh, it's, a, certain talk about thing. That. Great. it's yeah, a political environment it. and i'd love to let's let's chat next time about about what that means for social in general um yeah given you've been around it for so long um so anyway uh that's it everybody uh as always feedback, welcome and we'll talk to you in a couple weeks see you later